0: Hello and a very warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. Now I am back for some from some travels to Cape Town for the investing in African mining in Darba, which took place just a few weeks ago. Now there was one jurisdiction which was on everyone's lips, and this was Zambia, which makes my two guests today extra special on the relevance factor, um, being a uh, young and dynamic law firm based in uh, uh, Zambia. I'm very happy to be speaking today with executive partner Augustine Hamwela and managing partner Mayeni Piri from August Hill & Associates, who are based in Lusaka. Now, Augustine and Laini recently established the firm just last year, and it's got the overriding goal to contribute towards the Pan-African legal network in light of uh, globalization and borderless business, also with a keen interest to connect African businesses with international partners in Europe and the Middle East. Uh, Augustine, by way of background, possesses a, a grounded background in financial services and has functioned as both a private practitioner in law and a senior executive in house counsel. Leani has almost a decade of experience in private practice with key expertise in civil litigation, dispute resolution, debt collection, recoveries, insurance and perfection of securities. So gents, an absolute pleasure to have you with me today. And I won't stand on ceremony. Let's dive straight into it. I'm I'm interested. You know, this is a newly established firm in the region. What was the incentive here to go it alone and found your own thing? You know, what was the incentive and the rationale behind starting the practice especially at the tail end of a pandemic. I mean, secondly, what was it that first triggered this kind of irresistible urge to set up by yourselves and, and start on this journey? Uh, don't don't fight for it, but um, Augustine or leani feel free to take a lead on that one.
1: Thanks, um, Tom. I- I'll take that. Um, very interestingly, actually, um, I moved back uh, to Zambia after in... About eight-year hiatus um, in uh, South Africa and then subsequently in Dubai. Uh, and when I came back, I found that um, Laini, who I've known for many years, was also in transition at the time and had been mooting, uh, setting up his own firm. I'll tell you an anecdote. Uh, the first conversation actually happened in Laini, at Laini's porch, um and it seemed like a casual conversation i, I think the as location of
0: many a the location of many a great law firm definitely on a on a porch uh you on know, a porch. bacon mckenzie dentons i think all can be traced back to a porch so it's it's, <laughs> it's good to hear tell tell me
1: more I, I, and we shan't say what what was being served at that particular porch so, but but anyway no prizes for guessing um but, but as Fruit juice as
0: and uh, and and orange juice, <laughs> absolutely, and, and
1: water. You know, so it was a casual conversation. But as I've come to know, having uh, you know partnered with Laeni in a business uh, space, most of his conversations start casually, but he's dead serious. Um, mm. So you know, the next day we had a long conversation, and we said, Look, let's absolutely let's do it." Um, so I think it was just the confluence of our circumstances at the time, we were both in transition, trying to see what the next uh, move would be in our career. And I think uh, it then became a, a perfect dovetail for both of us to to actually start the firm. Um, I'll let Laini tell you the story about uh, how we came up with the name here because that's, a, that's another, uh, you know, prize story.
2: Absolutely. Just to add um, ever so slightly to what Augustine said there. Um, you know, I was, I was in, I've been in private practice, obviously, for many years, and I was, I was uh, in another firm as a partner. Uh, but, but the gentleman I was, I was partnered with uh, is somebody who employed me uh, many, many years ago when I was a student, actually attempted to make the bar. So he was like my mentor. But, you know, I had all these grand ideas, uh, which perhaps um, he wasn't too keen on being a little old school, if you like. So I was always sniffing around, you know, looking to start something new, something that I could um, mold with someone who shares the same vision, someone uh, you could say shares the same drive, you know, the same passion. And, and as it turns out, Augustine said, you know, Augustine was available at the time. He was coming uh, back from Dubai. Uh, you know, we always got along. Uh, I always thought he was slightly a bit too talkative, but yeah, I know we can live with that. So, you know, <laughs> we, it was, it was really a no brainer and, you know, um, it turned out that we were both ready to move at the time. We were both ready to set up. And it was—it it just was a coincidence that it was, you know, bang in the middle of at the tail end of, of COVID, as it were. But I think we both told ourselves that it was now or never, uh, whether there's a pandemic or not, we had to move forward. And we took this great leap of faith. And, you know, we, I think we've somewhat landed on our feet. Um, you know, the, the the Law Association of Zambia now coming to the name uh, is quite strict around uh, the type of name that a law firm can have um, in Zambia, and, and and they don't really uh, want law firms to have um, generic names, abstract names. They would rather have, uh, you know, the names of the partners on the door. Uh, so we we went with a few grand ideas, some generic names, um, but the law society Zambia came back and said, uh, we don't want your names on the door. We want you know Piri and Hamuela, Piri and Hamuela and associates. But somehow it doesn't really roll off the tongue. Um so you know we thought about it and, and, and put together our two names. Um August obviously is the short version of Augustine. Hill is actually uh, English for Piri. So Piri in English means a small hill or a small mountain. And that's how we came up with August
0: Hill. Which... I think that's a great story. And if I if I may be so bold as to stretch the imagery that one can associate with that, this is I think it's an example of a of a law firm who have to play by the rules, as it were, there's always going to be some degree of being grounded in tradition and, and process, but constantly looking at pushing the boundaries and, and, and not pushing your luck, but taking things that step further than Zambian law firms have traditionally been able to do. Now, knowing you guys and having worked with the firm, I think that is a fair assumption. But what were some of the things you saw happening? that you knew you could be in a, a, a more attractive alternative to? And let's put the client at the heart of it here. You're not a successful law firm if you don't have happy clients. So what is it that you were or are building the firm around that offers that dynamism, that that pushing boundaries, that kind of raconteur spirit that you feel customers Wanted, whether they knew it or not, and wasn't being provided by the, the the existing firms in Zambia. Lainey, could you could you offer some thoughts on that?
2: Th- thanks, Tom. So um, you know, we like you've rightly said we we like um, we we want to, to do all things within the confines of the law, obviously, within the rules. But like like any great painter, we, we like we like um, we like to be elaborate. We like to paint outside or within at least within the grays, right? So some of the things that we could speak about are like, um, you know, billing structures uh, and, and how we provide our, our service. Um, many law firms have got this, this uh, rudimental structure, if you like. You know, you've got a partner, you've got an associate that works underneath that particular partner and so forth and so on. And that is your lawyer. Many law firms in Zambia have um, Chinese wars. One partner does one thing. The other partner does the other. They've got different clients and they only share maybe expenses. Um, and that's that's how many law firms have gotten along. But we thought we could try something different. One, we wanted to encompass all our clients' needs. So we wanted to be a one-stop shop. What you want, what you need, we can provide. Obviously, it could be within or just within the grey. And, and then, of course, we are one firm. Um, we work on all our instructions together. We have a great team uh, which which supports um, you know both of us as partners and and th- there is there is there is nothing that we we cannot do together really. August, would you like to add to that?
1: One of the things that uh, I think Laini and I have in common is two things. Firstly, client centricity. Uh, we're very client centred. We focus on solutions for clients, but also we are very solution orientated. Uh, the typical law firm, and, and this is not a criticism, it's just sometimes how lawyers are trained. Um, you know, black ink lawyers is that a yes is a yes and a no is a no. Um, my, my, my approach to practice, a, and I'm very glad that I found a partner who's very similar, is to find a solution to a client's problem. And I think it's one of the things that uh, set me apart in my career in-house um, particularly working for, you know, a blue chip financial institution, is that the client would come to you with a problem and rather than send them back and say, you can't do this, my approach has always been, you can't do this, but you can do it this other way. And Liony is exactly like that. And I think that's the one big differentiator which has, uh you know, set us apart. Uh, at least we feel that it, it doesn't. We're very clear with our clients. If something can't be done because it's wrong, it's wrong. But if something can't be done, uh, you know, because they're getting, uh, you know, a certain straight-jacketed approach to the advice that they're getting, you know, we like to get our hands dirty, get into the thick of things, understand what our client wants, understand what our client's business is, understand the nuts and bolts of it, understand the wireframe so that we're then able to sit in the client's uh, seat position and be able to actually tailor a solution for them.
0: So in, in it's, that sense it's contextualized uh, advice isn't it Augustine? I mean it's, it's very contextualized. Uh, I think it, it sounds like you know any. this is something that's come almost you know naturally mm-hmm. to you and Augustine obviously your time in house you know manifested this client centric approach and this obsession with constructive uh, advice um, rather than um, f- finality inducing, you know, it's just a high yes or a no answer. And I, I think, you know, yeah. every single private practitioner should do a year's service in-house because you, you have never seen heads in hands or blood boiling more than an in-house lawyer that's just spent goodness knows how much money on a piece of advice, which is the most non-contextualized black letter law, statute quoting, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> a diatribe, which adds nothing. You know, it says, no, this can't be done because of section X and Y and Z, yeah. full stop. And you're thinking, what on earth did I just spend my money on? Um, yep. you know I think I think pay a fortune for yeah exactly <laughs> businesses need business advice in a legal context not legal advice in no context and uh, you know it's refreshing it's amazing that that still hasn't permeated that understanding hasn't permeated every law firm in every jurisdiction but it simply hasn't but obviously it, it, it has permeated here Augustine I wanted to dive into a specific kind of USP, which is lauded by by the firm. And this is the internationalization of, of the advice or the international component and abilities of the firm. From my time at Indaba, it is so obvious that the world is looking at Zambia right now with, uh, you know, the political dynamism and the changes and the open for business being the the, you know, mantra of the day. How is the firm equipped, you know, both in a, a expertise and a structural way to give this international legal advice. You know, you're not here to service Zambian businesses with Zambian customers with Zambian problems. You are a firm that wants to be advising Zambian companies, sure, but with international or Pan African aspirations, or international businesses with with regional aspirations. So, how, how is the firm set up to differentiate from that local law firm for local business with local problems, and instead being an international uh, solutions provider? Really,
1: really interesting um, area to go into, Tom. Um. One of the things I think that Laini and I agreed right from the outset is that we wouldn't be this backwater, small little Zambian firm that focuses on Zambian clients because both he and I have had major experience working for international clients. Um, I I head the corporate advisory uh, space in the business and um, I've had the benefit of working in cross-jurisdictional Uh, spaces as well. Uh, I've covered um, Africa, Middle East, um, and because of the organization that I used to work for, I was fairly keyed into the other regional teams, uh, so Europe and Americas, as well as um, Asia. Um, So particularly in banking and finance, but obviously you know that if you're in banking and finance, you obviously understand all of the other allied um, you know, spheres in which your clients play, whether it be mining, energy, telecoms, fintech, all of that. So we we in the firm have a fair understanding of the laws and regulations right across the globe uh, in a number of uh, sectors where our clients play. And because of that niche that we have, um, we are in a very unique position to give advice not only to Zambian clients who want to take a foray out into other jurisdictions, but also to international clients who want to come into Zambia and also want to do a business in other African markets where we have plenty of networks, uh, you know, coming from my eight years, um, you know, working in that space. I'll, I'll give you an interesting example of some work we got from a client of ours recently where they asked us a question, which... Really, if we had a very localised approach, would have been a question around Zambian law. What we ended up doing for the client is to give them a comparative analysis of the exact same provision they wanted us to interpret in Zambia. Uh, And we looked at South Africa, we looked at Malaysia, we looked at Singapore, we looked at the UK, we looked at the US. And by the time we went back to the client, who had been asked this specific question by the regulator, they were able to tell the regulator how this clause is interpreted not only in Zambia but across a number of actually bigger markets. Um, and 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 we, we haven't heard back from them, but 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 we got the sense that they really appreciated that dimension that we brought to the work. So
0: that's that's the At context. If, I, if I might, if I might dive in there, I'm fascinated by the role of law firms in advising high growth businesses in particular and internationally aspirational ones. Do you think that that kind of advice could actually influence and um, uh, initiate a different way of thinking or business strategy for a customer? What I mean by that is It's very exciting to me to think that the advice that you gave there that managed to say, look, this would be the Zambian advice, but here's what it looks like in X, Y, and Z. If that company saw that actually it was going to be a lot easier to, I don't know, set up the manufacturing operation that they were planning to in Zambia, in in Mauritius, for example, not that it (laughs) it would be, um, and it was on the back of your advice as a lawyer that opened that door, do you do you feel like law firms are there yet or in particular is August Hill there? Do you foresee your advice actually motivating a strategic change in direction for a customer uh, to the extent of deciding where to domicile a new operation, for example, or do you still think we're not quite there and maybe we shouldn't be in what are your thoughts on that? Uh, Really, really good
1: point, Tom. I mean, in terms of operations, yes, absolutely. Um, for instance, if you are talking about uh, a financial services business and what sort of opportunities that business can can get from setting up in, for instance, the Dubai International Financial Centre or 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 in Abu Dhabi uh, or in South Africa or, for that matter, in London, absolutely. There's, there's a lot of um, opportunity for particularly African businesses to be a bit more open-minded about how they are structured, uh, you know, where they're headquartered. Obviously, for for instance, now, exactly the same point with Brexit. One of the things that uh, organisations had to do in the light of Brexit is to actually decide whether they wanted their head office to be in the UK. And so then it became a question of what kind of advice could you give your clients in terms of where they would set up still be able to leverage opportunities out of the UK, but avoid some of the strictures that came from Brexit. It's exactly the same point, I think, for Africa in terms of some of the strictures that, that are faced in some African markets, which if all you did was, you know, change the head office or change your operations, you know, would, would, would completely take away a lot of those headaches. So it's, it's really, really key for clients to get that
0: sort of advice from, from Council. Thanks, Augustine. any to, to look forward, three to five years, what are the plans? You know, everyone talks about the five-year plan, but without giving away the secret sauce recipe, what what have you got in store for us as a firm? And, and most importantly, are there any kind of traditional structures and practices that you're looking at a... At, at breaking up and, and doing things differently. I know we've touched on a few already, but I'm interested in your thoughts on the next three to five years for the firm.
2: Thanks, Tom. Um, <clears throat> very, 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 very interesting question. You know, for the for the Zambian market, uh, I think August here and Associates are what we can refer to as a medium-sized firm, if you like. Uh, you know, two partners. Uh, we've got uh, four Associates and and four lawyers Um. So that's about a full bench of about ten uh, altogether. So three to five years, Tom. We, we want to grow. We want to compete. So we're looking at say a full bench of about fifteen to twenty lawyers at August in the next you know three to five years. And this this obviously would include um, you know recruiting more associates. It, it could include um, the natural progression of uh, admitting some associates to partnership as well. And and you know with growth. Um, Comes the opportunity, or should I say, the basis to take on even more instruction. Um It, it takes; it, it also gives us the opportunity to take on um, even more complex instructions. So, so this would also speak to ambitions not only you know in Zambia, but as Augustin has mentioned, in the region and and beyond Africa as well, because we would have uh, the capacity. So, we we want to be considered you know as a as a top law firm uh, that delivers world class solutions to both everyday matters and to, to complex matters as well. And that's been our, our goal, really, from the moment uh, the idea was incepted. Uh, that's our goal today, that's our goal tomorrow, and that's the standard um, that we want to to set. Now, the second part of your question, uh, Tom, you have no idea. I am very, very passionate about that. <laughs> you know, the, the law is steeped in tradition and maybe that's what makes it unique. Maybe that's what makes it special you know, if, if I could use that term. And our law practice in Zambia is tailored quite closely and maybe perhaps almost entirely on the United Kingdom, the system in the UK. But, you know, the system in the UK has evolved and it has modernized over time. But in Zambia, as a profession, we, we, we're, a bit, we're a bit stuck in a, in a time capsule, if you like, you know, whilst the world around us has changed, whilst the world around us is changing and continues to change, we seem to be uh, stuck in the past. So it's very passionate for us as a firm. We want to play a part in the, we would call it the revolution of the Zambian legal system in order to meet current modern trends that would only, not only benefit uh, the Zambian market, but benefit uh, clients, international clients who are looking to, to reach in. So we want to modernize our practice, you know, make legal services easier to access and not be bogged down by rules really that perhaps nobody even follows. I'll give you some examples. Um, you know, we're talking about, uh, for instance, limited liability partnerships. This is a norm in many other jurisdictions, but it's not yet quite here. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm aware that the Law Association of Zambia is considering, um, you know, suggestions, taking on comments. So we'll play our part. We will um, lobby where need be, we'll support where need be. Another example really uh, that we could speak about is the rules on contingency fees, again, you know, it's prescribed here in Zambia, but it's the norm everywhere else. And these definitely need to be adjusted. So, I mean, these you could say they are grand ideas, but if something like contingency fees were, was adjusted, it would be easier for those who can't afford uh, legal fees, you know, to be able to engage a lawyer on the basis of success or reward. So we want to be in that space where we're able to push able to push the relevant parties, Ministry of Justice, you know, uh, parliamentarians, Law Association of Zambia, in order to move forward and modernize uh, the legal practice in Zambia. So that's a very, passion- very, very passionate area for me. And we um, I- I really want to play a big role in that as well.
0: Uh, Leonie, I'm interested. Uh, do you think that this um, regulatory um vacuum in, in many situations when it comes to the, the the regulation of the legal practice. Is that evident in some of the key sectors that, you know, Zambia represents as well? Or do you feel like the, uh, the inability of the legal services industry in Zambia to move forward is even more profound, given the regulatory improvements and, and dynamism that's being seen in in other sectors, for example, you know, you have, you know, a, a great example would be His Excellency uh, Hakayenda Hichilema, who was on stage at the mining in Darba, talking about Zambia's open for business and we want conversations and dynamism. You know, is that being backed up with regulatory change in in the key sectors for the economy? Um, so a bit of a, t- a two-parter there. Are, are, are regulatory changes happening? Uh in spite of and in contrast to this kind of stick in the mud situation you've mentioned with regard to legal services, yes, yeah,
2: so that's that's an interesting question, and 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 I would say in part yes, and in in part no. So we've got a situation where there could be some di- diamondism um, around other uh, regulatory sectors. I think in in the banking and financial space, um, companies law as well. Um, we've you know we've we've had. Uh, new acts of parliament come into play. Um, you know we've had new rules come into play. We've had um, uh, adjustments or amendments to the Mines and Mineral Developments Act uh, and so forth and so on. Um, but at the same time, as 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 a legal profession um, and and the rules around how we can provide those services, we seem to be stuck. Um, you know, in in a time capsule, like I mentioned earlier. So for me, what does what does that mean? It means that we need to look for an environment, okay, that investors or people who are looking to come into Zambia to do business, um, it it needs to be an environment that makes sense for them. And and this could mean quite a few things. It's a balance really between ensuring that their investment, their interests are safe. and, And this speaks to regulation, this speaks to dynamism, but it also talks about an environment that they're familiar with. So how do our rules? How how do how does the law in Zambia speak to other rules and other laws in other jurisdictions? Um, so we, we 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 are thinking about forming alliances. We're thinking about forming partnerships with different law firms in the region and beyond Africa as well, because we can learn from them and perhaps even adjust our approach um, where, where need be. Augustine, do you have any thoughts there?
1: Yeah, I think it's very interesting. Um, typically the experience in Africa has been that regulation comes and then innovation follows. Um, In a a, a sense, the way that a lot of important changes have occurred around the world is that regulation has followed innovation. And I think Zambia but Africa as a whole, I think needs to have that mindset. And, and, and I'll pick a country like Kenya, right? Um, mm. In Kenya, you'll be interested to know, Tom, for instance, that the National, Payment, the, the National Payment Systems Act and their regulation around e-money actually followed the practice of e-money so that by the time the regulation was coming, it was coming to regulate an industry which the central bank there had allowed to flourish, with some loose regulation, so that it was then easier to build the contours around the regulation. I think we need to let industry evolve, particularly FinTech evolve. Uh, and as long as it's not doing harm, uh, you know, let the regulation then follow around it. But proscribing uh, even practices that are commercially innovative and commercially beneficial, I think can tend to uh, restrict the business space. Uh,
0: I mean, I I couldn't agree more. I think it's absolutely ridiculous to hold a government and a regulator as the gatekeeper to innovation or the starter pistol for dynamic business. I mean, that's a poor, poor order. If some bureaucrat regulator is going to be the, uh, individual that commences a business revolution that's that's just that's that's just not going to happen yeah. you know and another thing is if you had sat down and you know we're all similar ages and and told us in our youth that actually one day you were going to be using your phone to tap a box that was going to make payment or you would be recording your voice on a combined podcast system with other people thousands of miles away, you know, it, it would have been mind-blowing. And yet we've sat here and we'd say, oh, yeah, well, regulators with their clumsy words and their, you know, somewhat politicized agendas are going to be people that write regulation, which is going to be fit for purpose for the next 10 years, it's often not fit for purpose for the last ten years, let alone the next ten. So I, I, I couldn't agree more. You can't, you cannot Absolutely. be relying on regulators when it comes to, and nor should you. That's not discrediting regulators. They're doing a great job in a lot of c- c- situations, but regulation should be the tweaking and the review of existing practices. To maximise efficiency, benefit, and safety, rather than attempting to to proscribe or prescribe situations which which haven't had a chance to to manifest in in their own right. So I, I I'm in absolute agreement there.
2: Yeah, I just want to say that things things are always changing, right? And um, so something that's there today is not there tomorrow. And Augusto is saying says that you know, change is the only constant. So
1: evolve or die, really. So the regulators need to, you know, step up. Absolutely, and, and Tom, you make a very nice analogy because you said when we were young, when we were young, we used to play in sandboxes, right? Now the sandbox, to my mind, is the best way to actually build on innovation uh, because you, you test the ideas as they come, and you test it in an environment where it's 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 in a commercial environment, it's in a sectoral environment. Uh, if the regulation comes then and cleans up what comes of the sand out of the sandboxes, then it's it's a whole different conversation.
0: Gents, a, a closing question here is: is I've referenced you know President Hichilema's open for business statement, which was made time and time again at the the Indaba. What does that mean to you as a young, dynamic firm here? What, what, does op- what does Zambia being open for business mean to you, your customers and the, the sectors that you're seeking to serve? Exciting times, I think, uh,
1: to be in Zambia. Um, I was saying to Laney, I probably chose the right time to come back. Um, there's a lot of uh, interesting innovations that are happening in, in the country I think there's there's a bit of a mining boom um, that's happening again. So mining, I think, is is um, is going to be a really, really critical area. Of course, um, there's always been conversations around diversification, uh, but that will take time. So mining, I think, is a, is a key space. Energy is another key space. Um, I think Laini and I have spoken to a few entrants into the solar uh, space, because that's a you know, alternative clean energy source and and the the new government is big about that. I think banking and finance will continue to grow. It's typically been the traditional source of venture capital for most of the entities uh, uh, in Zambia, obviously. Um, I I think as we go on, those banking services, including, uh, you know, loans loans and financing, will have to become a bit cheaper as a driver, uh, of innovation and industry, uh, and of business generally. But I think allied to that, uh, is the capital market space, which I think now will really burgeon because a lot of, uh, ventures will require cheap financing, um, and, and financing that comes, uh, you know, from a number of sources, uh, such as would happen in, uh, and the capital markets, I think, will be a very, very uh, welcome development. So I, we're looking to that space to grow as well. Um, and I think, finally, telecoms and particularly fintech is another huge area. I mean, the, the Zambian population is a fairly young population, uh really, really tech savvy. So a lot of these tech hubs and a lot of these fintechs are coming up to compete with, you know, for instance, traditional banks and uh and, and, and MNOs, mobile network operators. So that's an, another interesting space uh, to play in. Uh, Lainey, do you want to add to that list?
2: Yeah, um, I, I think I'll speak to what, what it means to, to us as a firm as well. Like, like Augustine has rightly said, it's, it's extremely exciting times, but at the same time, it's a great challenge because we need to be able to move quickly. We need to be able to, to adapt you know, for, for international clients, um, they don't understand when something as simple as, uh, you know, a regulatory health check should take six months to a year. Um, you know, everything should be done yesterday. So we need to be able to ad- adjust to that. Um, when you look at um, the law in Zambia and, and precedent, you know, we could be stuck 20, 30 years ago, but we've got clients coming in from jurisdictions where things have evolved fairly quickly. So as a firm, we need to adapt to that. We need to actually read We actually have to understand where our clients are coming from. So, um, and, and, you know, because of of, of that, we could actually be involved in a lot of legislative reform because we'll be able to try and push the boundaries, test certain uh, aspects with the law, go to court and question certain things that are not making sense. So definitely for me, it opens up this great world where, um, you know, apart from the actual uh, financial benefit and commercial benefit to Zambia as a country, but I think Zambia being open for business will also greatly benefit the legal, uh, the, the legal sphere, as it were, and, and it will greatly benefit the revolution of the legal system in Zambia as
0: well. It's great to hear and all very positive. A, a closing thought, um, if I may uh, uh, get one, is when you're seeing, particularly in Africa, um, the political will and the societal will for, for revolutionary change it's often um, intention for speed and progress overcomes or surmounts listening to the right people. So as much as there seems to be political will and societal will for change, do you think that's going to be sensibly supported by the government with a willingness to listen and take advice from the right people? Look, I think
1: it's a continuum, as you know, Tom. Uh, between autocracy and openness and transparency um, and governments will fall at some point in this continuum. It is certainly more evident now that most governments, and we hope ours will be that way, are willing to take on board ideas that are progressive, uh, irrespective of where those ideas come from. Because as you know, Tom, in politics, the same idea can be floated by two different people and will be received differently uh, by a government depending on the source and also depending on what the perceived motivation uh, of the move of an idea is. But I think more and more we are getting into the space where constructive ideas and um, ideation and you know generally progressive thinking is being let to be aired out a bit more than it used to be uh, a few years ago or at least at least you know 10 15 20 years ago in the african spaces as we have continued to grow there is a very very clear correlation between how open the democratic space is and how successful industry business commerce will be the two are correlated. That that correlation is a positive one. So we hope that we will, we will get to see a lot more of this openness, um, a lot more of transparency, and, and a lot more of you know the government being open to listen to progressive thoughts.
0: Thanks so much for those insights there. And I, I hate to say it, but that does bring us to time on this particular episode. So Augustin and Liani thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Tom. Tom. Absolute pleasure. And as always, a big thank you to all of our listeners. And if you are new to the Africa Legal Podcast, you can find us wherever you find your usual podcasts. This being Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Mm -hmm. Podcasts, you name it, and we hope to be there. And as always, do visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views, and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal practitioner. So without further ado, this is Tom, Layeni, and Augustine, and we're signing off for the Africa Legal Podcast.